Welcome to episode 26 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, we would really appreciate it, especially if you like the show, to smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, everybody. As of Sunday, June 27th, 2021, the Montreal Canadiens and Tampa Bay Lightning are in the Stanley Cup final getting set for game one on Monday night in Tampa. We're going to get into that. We're going to preview the Stanley Cup final, give you our predictions. We have lots to talk about in this episode. But before we get to that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How are you doing, man? A plus, Bruno. Finally confirmed. The Montreal Canadiens have turned the world upside down and are in the Stanley Cup final. We're here, man. Our first season. We have a Stanley Cup final episode to do. Uh, episode 26. Shout out to who I think is a very underrated player in Maple Leafs history. Defenseman Alan Stanley. People are raising their eyebrows. Alan Stanley, four-time Stanley Cup winner in the 60s and Hockey Hall of Famer. Big, big shout-outs to Alan Stanley. Love it, man. Awesome player, man. Awesome player. But very well recognized with the Rangers, too. Um, but as you said, lots to talk about. We have uh, two great series to run over and uh, a Stanley Cup final to talk about. So let's do it, brother. Absolutely, man. Yeah, so Lapore, let's just get right into it. And let's start things off with the Habs. And <laughs> let's start things off with the Habs. We always start things off with the Montreal Canadiens. Those Montreal Canadiens. We should go back in episodes and see how much time has been dedicated to the Montreal Canadiens versus the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, since day one on this podcast. Oh, it's hilarious. I think we've actually now maybe talked about the Habs more than the Leafs in the short history of this podcast. It's close, at least. But uh, yeah, let's talk about that semifinal series. Habs and Golden Knights. We both thought the Golden Knights were going to win that series. Same with 99% of the hockey world. And the Knights got off to a great start. They won game one, four to one. They looked like they were probably going to cruise to a series victory. But of course, the Habs won four out of five games. Yep. So, Lapore, the first topic of conversation here is what on earth happened to the Vegas Golden Knights? Because we had a team that finished second overall in the standings. And honestly, you could have made the argument that they were the best team in the NHL in the regular mm-hmm. season, just based on... Based on on the complete package in terms of how good they were offensively, they were the number three offense in the league. They were the number one ranked defense in terms of goals against per game. Marc-Andre Fleury had a phenomenal season. (laughs) So what the hell happened to this team? How did they lose four out of five to the Montreal Canadiens? Bruno, often uh, things happen in sports that are truly, truly difficult to explain. And I think we'll look back at what happened to the Vegas Golden Knights in this series as one of those things that we'll debate about for a very long time, they full on ghosted. That team was awful. And you look at their star players, 
and their big names and the guys who failed to show up. And I'm sure people are already trying to interrupt me and saying, wait, 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 what about the Leafs like Matthews and Marner and those guys, where were they against Montreal? What I'll say about those guys against Montreal is they just couldn't finish. Matthews and Marner were creating chances. I was noticing them. They had the puck in the other team's end. The star players for Vegas were nowhere, nowhere. You could have told me today that Mark Stone didn't play that series. And I'd be like, yeah, I didn't notice him. So well, he, he was a complete ghost. Unreal, like, man. Could not generate any offense to save his life in that series. Unreal. And being from Ottawa, I mean, people love Mark Stone here. He's a fantastic player. He's obviously the captain of the Knights. But for a guy like that to have a 21-goal season, he was well over a point a game. And like, real, I think really and truly established himself as a star in this league. You see the Team Canada mock-ups. He's there. People saying, calling him one of the best two-way players in the game. And now this year, he stays healthy. He's had some injury problems in his career, and he has a great season statistically. And here he is, Mark Stone. And you can picture him, man. He's an emotional guy. Uh, I heard someone say he'd be the worst poker player in the world because he just wears his heart on his sleeve. Like you can have to see that image of him just like lifting the cup with that like grunt he does, but he was nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And you can run down the list of uh, Knights players. And someone posted the other day. So you had Pacioretty, 24 goals in the regular season. He scored once. And that one goal came when he, they made a switch up and he was playing on the third line. As I said, Stone, 21 goals in the regular season, zero in that series. Marceso, 18 in the regular season, zero. Alex Tuck, 18 this series, zero. William Carlson, 14 this series, zero. Chandler Stevenson, Riley Smith, also with 14 the regular season. Stevenson had zero. He had his injury problem, but Smith with one. Like crazy. You're not going to win. Held Vegas forwards to five goals in that series. Impossible. What I like to do is like when... After a series is finished, it, it goes both ways for me. Like, I like to look at a certain stat and be like, let's say you told me that, would I know what happened? And sometimes it's funny because you'll look at a certain stat. Like, if someone told me uh, that the Leafs against Montreal were going to average only two goals against a game, I would have said, well, the Leafs then probably won, but they didn't. So it's interesting to have that discussion. Whereas Vegas, imagine someone told you that. I'd be like, well, number one, I wouldn't believe it. And number two, I'd be like, well, they obviously lost and they did. And it's, it's nuts, man. I I think the greater question is, and you can talk about this all day long. Why did that happen? I mean, it's guys failing to show up and that's on its own. Why did that happen? It's credit to Montreal for shutting guys down. Is it an issue with the makeup of this team? Like, does Vegas have to look themselves in the mirror? And it's funny to say that to a team that finished second overall and was in the conference final and a team that a lot of people had as their pick to win the Stanley Cup. But to me, it's a great talk, man. Like, this Vegas Golden Knights team, like, I'll ask you, like, where do you see it? Like, what was what was the reason for this disaster for the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, I think it was absolutely on the offensive side of things. I mean, you ran down the stats. Montreal held Vegas as forwards to five goals in six games. So they got 13 goals in total. Eight of them came from defensemen. 13 goals in six games. Crazy. 13 goals and eight of them came from D-men. And their decor is nice. Like That's how they're built. Oh, yeah. That's how they're built. Great playoffs. Shea Theodore, excellent player. Even Alec Martinez, news came out 
um, the other day that he was playing on a broken foot. I mean, that dude is a warrior and he had a good playoffs as well. So yeah, when I look at this Vegas Golden Knights team and a lot of people were, were talking about this, even going back to like the Colorado series where Vegas is like one weakness is down the middle. Like when you look at their centermen, right? Chandler Stevenson, who's one of the most underrated players in the league and had a great season, you know, playing on the top line with Stone and Pacioretty. Like he's at the end of the day, is he a true number one center? I don't think so. He's a really good player, but he's their number one center. Then you look at William Carlson, Nicholas Waugh. So you go down and you're like, really? You're like, this this team could could certainly use an injection of talent, especially at the center position. So It's almost surprising when you see how good they are and then you're reminded of their centers. That always happens to me with Vegas. Exactly. Whereas like you compare them to Colorado, for example, and you got Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and Gabriel Landeskog on the first line, like three absolute studs and mm. you go down and Barakovsky and even I mean Kadri didn't play into the series obviously because of his suspension but like that Colorado team I think up front had definitely had more talent than the Vegas Golden Knights so yeah like their inability to generate offense against Montreal was just man oh man that was tough to watch and listen credit has to be given to the Habs because clearly now there has been a trend where they've been able to to neutralize the other team's best players throughout the playoffs. We saw them do that against, you know, the Leafs with Matthews and Marner. And listen, you know, William Nylander had a good series. And Matthews and Marner, like you said, Lepore, like they still generated chances. Did they look like they did in the regular season? No. But those two guys still combined for 54 shots on goal yeah. in that Hab series in round one. And then in round two... Mark Shifley goes down, you know, hits Jake Evans. He's out their best player that threw a wrench into their lineup as well. So if you look at it, Montreal, they've, and listen, I don't want to call them lucky because we've talked about this, but the one thing I've always looked at when it comes to the Habs as their weakness is their talent and depth down the middle. And when these other teams have been affected by that, you have John Tavares in round one, Shifley in round two, you know, Vegas loses Chandler Stevenson in round three for three games. And I'm not saying that that's why the Habs are here because it's all luck. But what I'm saying is that they they caught a break in terms of like their main weakness is their talent down the middle. And in all of these series, the, the playing field has been evened in that way. When you're right. When you're eliminating all these centermen and when you have a Vegas team that's also not very good down the middle – that was a good spot for Montreal to take advantage of. And we saw their top four defensemen step up. Those guys have been beasts. Sherratt, Weber, Petrie, Edmondson, obviously Carey Price. The guy's a 934 save percentage in the playoffs. And then you look at their penalty kill. Lepore, their penalty kill has been off the charts, man. They haven't allowed a power play goal since the first round against the Leafs. They've gone two straight rounds without allowing a power play goal. So... When I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, going back to them, yeah, it was their inability to create offense, and they have to find a way this offseason to bring in some more talent up front, or else that team is probably going to just be in the same position they're in right now. Because a lot of those guys, I heard them at the podium after the game, they were saying this is the best team that they've ever played on. Guys like Alec Martinez and Petrangelo and some of the other forwards, they're like, this was a great team. This is probably the best team I've ever played on. And they lost to the Habs in six games. There's two things that that I'll throw out there. Did we maybe not 
look at this series matchup wise enough. Like I was one who actually said like I, I was dead wrong. Like like I thought that Vegas would have been a better sorry, I thought Vegas would have been a worse matchup for Montreal compared to Colorado because I thought that Colorado was just kind of a better version of Toronto, like very offensively heavy and Montreal showed that they can do well against that. Whereas Vegas, like the balance, the good D they play very heavy themselves. Like we always say they come in waves. Like, so I was dead wrong about that. So do we just kind of like misanalyze that as a matchup? Like you made the point about like their weakness down the middle, like even with a healthy Chandler Stevenson. Okay. So Vegas is not strong down the middle. That's a team Montreal can pounce on. And then on Vegas's end, I hate to give this take because it's kind of soft. Like, how do you, I hate to give takes like, hey, how do you prove it? Or how do you really break it down? But was it just a matter of, and especially with the Knights winning game one, did they just take Montreal too lightly? Like, was this an arrogance issue? Because looking back to game one, I remember Montreal played really well. Like, like I was sitting here saying that Montreal is probably going to get blown out of the building in the first 10 minutes and it's going to be up to carry price to hang on. And if they let in a goal early and that crowd goes bananas, they're going to be in a lot of trouble and that can kind of lay a pathway to the rest of the series and how it's going to go. But Montreal was great in the first game, especially the beginning of the game. I think they were like, I was shooting them like 10 to oh, yeah, that one first point. period. The Habs came out and they looked great. Yeah. So was it a matter of almost like Vegas was lucky to win that one? And it kind of played with their minds in the way they go, like, oh, yeah, like, woohoo, we won game one, didn't even play that well. And they just got arrogant. And it's that thing where it's kind of like a slippery slope. And you see it in college football all the time when you have like that juggernaut team playing that low ranked team. And the game starts and things aren't going well. And because you were overconfident and that other team's playing well. And once the game starts, you can't get out of it. It's like you're here now, like you're in a battle and you have to will yourself to this win. Was that what happened to Vegas in this series where they took Montreal too lightly? They got that slap in game two, even after they probably should have lost game one. And at that point, it was just like, well, now you're in a battle and Vegas just couldn't get their feet. What do you think? It's certainly possible because look at what the Vegas Golden Knights dealt with in the playoffs up until that point. So they had the Minnesota Wild in round one. Mm-hmm. who they gave a lot of credit to. Like, I've heard Peter DeBoer talk about Minnesota. He's like, they were a really good team. And even going back, remember, Laporte, to our playoff preview, how we mentioned that um, they had a losing record, I believe, against the Minnesota Wild in the yeah. regular season. And that was a tough series. They blew a 3-1 series lead. They battled back through adversity, won that series. Yeah, then I think Minnesota to two. win that series, if you remember, actually. <laughs> yeah. And then they go into round two against Colorado, who everyone in the hockey world viewed as the best team in the NHL. I thought they were the best team in the NHL. Colorado wins the first two games and then Vegas rips off four in a row, shuts down McKinnon. McKinnon went three games without a point. Vegas was just all over them at the end of that series. So if you're Vegas, you're thinking, okay, we just got through Minnesota in round one who gave us fits in the regular season and is a low key, really good team. Then we just, pumped the best team in the league four games in a row to win that series in six and now we get the montreal canadians and we beat them in game one even when they actually played well you got to think those guys were thinking all we got to do is almost cruise to a victory here and i remember peter DeBoer 
after the flurry game, the flurry blunder game. <laughs> the flurry game, that yeah. they dominated, DeBoer said, and I even mentioned it on the podcast, he goes, if we play this way the rest of the series, he goes, I have a very tough time believing that they're going to beat us two more times to win this series. So mm-hmm. I, I think you do bring up a good point there, Lepore, that they probably were a little bit arrogant. And they're a team, obviously, in their four years of existence that's had a lot of success. And I think that it all—it almost got to the point where maybe they thought, all we got to do is show up here and we should get through this series. And man, the Montreal Canadiens gave them a rude awakening. Because if you look back now, again, how we can look back at the series. Now, they probably should have won game, or they should have won game three because the whole flurry thing. But as we already touched on, they very well could have lost or should have lost game one. And then they won game four to tie the series scoring. Like they scored midway through the third, they were losing and they won an OT. Those are the only two games they won out of six of this team that was second overall. Yeah, man. Like I really do think like the more and more we go over, I, I think it was between the years and even like mentally speaking, the flurry thing that could, that could have been really heavy. Again, like we, we, we again, we're victims of always looking at something because of the result, but there's always the what ifs. What if that doesn't happen to Flurry? That one play, Vegas goes up two to one in the series, and like we have no idea if they also would have won Game Four. Like it, it wouldn't have played out exactly how it played out because it would have changed everything. But either way, Vegas would have taken home ice back and been up two to one. Yeah, That's that it. that was essentially the series, right? Yeah, there. like if if someone pointed to that and said that was the series, eh, they got a point. Like, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying Vegas deserved it. They definitely did not deserve it. Montreal, this was the best Montreal played without question. This was the Montreal, this was a Montreal team that looked awesome. Like watching these games. And it was kind of funny because going into game six, my buddy, like the Habs were still, the smart money was still on the Habs. Like they were still like plus 125 at home. And it was funny because they were out playing Vegas and the, the buildup to the game, like they're showing all the fans outside the bell center and the pregame was like, the Habs are going to win. They've been playing awesome. Like the vibe was like, this is it. And my buddy and I were laughing. We're like, they're going to lose now because this is the first time all playoff that it seemed like the people around the Montreal Canadians were kind of confident. So we're like, get ready for Vegas to score early. And it's going to be an easy game. We're going to game seven and Montreal pulled it off. But it was just funny how, that vibe came over Montreal and they pulled through. And like I said, they deserve that vibe because they played so well. Like it, it was weird. Like, and we'll say about Montreal that you could tell the way they were playing against Vegas, that they were like Vegas. I'll flip it to Vegas. Like Vegas was having fits. Like that feeling of knowing that every time they counterattack on us, we're in trouble. Like you could tell Vegas just had that nervousness. Like, like I, I really do think it was between the ears for, for the Knights, man. And like where they go forward, we can talk about that because it's kind of funny to talk about a team that was so good, but like kind of needs major changes, right? Yeah, that's a team that has to find a way in the offseason to trade. I mean, I don't know if there's I, – I don't know the list of unrestricted free agents off the top of my head, but – they have got to make a move to bolster that that top six because they have some nice players on the wing. Like we mentioned, like Mark Stone as your captain, that's sure, you know, on the wing, that's pretty damn good. You know, he he's a really good player. I know he was awful in that Hab series, but you know, even Pacioretty, 
I mean, he's getting a little bit older, but I mean, Pacioretty's still a good player as well. And I know he was also invisible for the most part. He actually, he had game six on his stick. If you remember, he had a point blank chance in okay. overtime before Montreal scored and Carey Price shut the door. But that would have been actually kind of pretty cool if, if Pacioretty found a way to score. Yeah, the OC cool for us. <laughs> but uh, no, they, they certainly have to find a way to add some more talent up front. Um, but Lepore, you want to shift over to the other side of things now? Sure, but I'll ask you one question. So okay. we talked, we've talked before about the Pacioretty Suzuki trade in the past and how it's not too often that a deal like that is done and we can look back and say, yeah, that worked out well for both teams because Pacioretty's doing really well in Vegas and Suzuki looks awesome in Montreal. Here we are. Montreal beat Vegas in the playoffs and we're pointing to center depth for the Vegas Golden Knights. Do the Las Vegas Golden Knights now regret that trade? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because I think now if, if this team continues on the trend they're going with of like near misses and you see the trajectory of Suzuki, I think it's an easy answer in a couple yeah. years. In a couple years, like we'll be like, yeah, no, 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 that was the mistake. And they knew what they were getting. They were going for win now mode. So they would say, no, that's wrong to say. But you know where I'm going with that. I mean, Suzuki's shown he's a player. So No, that's that's a good point. I think like, for right now, it was the right move for Vegas because they brought in a high-scoring winger who's been a really good goal scorer for the Vegas Golden Knights in his yeah. whatever it's been now, three years that he's been there. But moving forward, oh yeah, big time. Seeing the way that Suzuki has progressed and the player that he can still become because I don't mm-hmm. think we've seen the best of Nick Suzuki yet, obviously. So I, I think, like you said, if you, if you go down... You know, in, if you go three, four years into the future, I think they're really going to start to regret it, especially yeah. if Suzuki becomes the centerman that that we think he's going to become, that we've talked about on this podcast many times. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a situation that they're going to end up regretting. If there's no ring on the finger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But uh, all right, Lepore, let's let's shift things over now to the other side of this. Talk <laughs> the dark about side of the force. The Montreal <laughs> Canadiens, because this run has been unbelievable. unbelievable. And listen, going back to the first round against the Leafs, we've talked about this ad nauseum, okay? I wasn't sold because the Leafs outscored the Habs, outshot the Habs, outchanced the Habs. Jack Campbell had a better save percentage than Carey Price. No John Tavares. And the Leafs had a very good chance to win that series and probably should have won that series. We all know they choked it away. So I wasn't sold on them yet. Then you go into that second series against the Winnipeg Jets and Mark Shifley gets suspended game one. And that obviously had a big effect on the series, but Winnipeg just looked terrible. They couldn't, again, I'm not taking every, you know, I'm not taking (laughs) things away from Montreal and saying they didn't deserve it. But Winnipeg, Winnipeg looked like very good. Sh- Winnipeg looked like shit against the Oilers too. Yeah, they looked they looked bad. I, I yeah. think we can all we can all admit that Winnipeg was probably like one of the two or three worst teams in the playoffs this year. Even though they swept Edmonton in the first round, yeah. so so even even after that series, I'm like, you know what? Now they're facing Vegas. Like this is the real test. And right. like you mentioned, Lapore, that was the best the Habs played all playoffs like that to me was super impressive what they were able to do in that series to completely shut down the Vegas forward attack and to really outplay them 
especially the second half of that series, because the first two or three games, you could say that Vegas had the edge just in terms of, you know, controlling the play and possession and all those things. But towards the end of that series, man, it was all Montreal and they completely deserved it. So what the hell did we miss here, Laporte, with this <laughs> Montreal Canadiens team? Because one other thing I'll bring up, like this is a team that is that is enjoying like one of the most like outlier things you could possibly imagine, and that's their penalty kill. Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens right now have a ninety three point five percent penalty kill in the playoffs. It is the best penalty kill in NHL history. Yep. Among teams that have played at least 15 games in a single postseason, they have not allowed a power play goal in two straight series. So when you have something like that, and when you add that to the way that Carey Price has been playing and the way that they've committed to their defensive structure and some timely goal scoring from Cole Caulfield, I mean, then maybe it lines up. But Lepore, man, I, I'm having a difficult time just like looking at their regular season even looking at some of the things they did in the playoffs and making all of this make sense. But like I said, it all started to come together for me when I saw what they did to the Vegas Golden Knights. So what's your take on that? For that penalty kill, what's the actual number? Like how many have they killed? I believe it's 43 of 46 that they've killed off. So the X, I think if if I remember correctly, I saw that they've allowed three goals while being shorthanded and scored four. Yes, they have that a posi- is correct as well. Yeah, yeah, they have a positive goal differential shorthanded. Like Which is in insane. the in the in the list of like where am I? Like where am I? How, like how is that possible? But I think it's like it's a it's kind of like a perfect storm of things. I think when you're a team like that and you're playing a style like that, I think two things happen. Number one, as time goes on, and if it is successful you just buy in more and you become more confident with it and more relaxed with it. And I think that is happening to Montreal. Like now they go into penalty kills and they're not even, they're not even going to flinch. They're not even worried when teams dominate them like Vegas did in game uh, three, they're not worried. They're just, you know, we've been here before. This is how we play. And then I think the biggest X factor here to me is Caulfield. He's changed this team. He's changed this team. That kid is a stud. He is a score. He's going to be a star in this league for a long time. And I think it's the perfect thing right now that goes with how Montreal is playing because we've talked about and laughed at before on the show. It seems like Montreal is getting a million breakaways. And then you, you're texting me during games. Like, how do they always score on yeah, breakaways? They, they score on like literally every breakaway. So it's one of those things where it's like, you're watching it and you're saying to yourself, like, man, like how is Montreal just getting all these like breakaways on man rushes and coming back the other way. But as you watch it more and more, and as we get deeper into the playoffs, it's like, well, this isn't an accident. Like this is obviously some sort of system or thing they have planned where when they're hemmed, if they do get possession, it's like a quick strike attack the other way. So if someone break off the boards or there's some sort of tip play. And that just goes perfectly with a player like Caulfield, because with a shot like that, he only needs one chance. You give him what you give him one. It's going in like that goal. He scored the other night where he came from the outside and man, so the, sick. the biggest thing to me. And like, I love this shit. I totally love this shit. When he scored that goal, the look on his face 
stern. He's to a point now, I know what I'm doing. I expect to score. He didn't even have a grin. He just looked his teammates in the face and put his arms in the air. So when you have a kid that confident, who's that good, who fits in perfectly with what Montreal is doing, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And again, how it plays on the other team. If you're playing against them, there's that thing of like, normally you should be very happy and confident when you have the puck in the other team's end. But you have one side of your brain telling you that, well, if we do get a scoring chance, it's against the best goalie on the planet. And then we also have to be aware that this team is comfortable with us in their own end. And God forbid, if we make a mistake, the smallest mistake, we have this roadrunner going back the other way who only needs one chance to go, but to go bar down. So these teams are probably playing nervous, even in the offensive zone. So, and then, and like I said, you have teams playing nervous and then you have Montreal totally comfortable. They are totally, totally comfortable with how they're playing right now. And like I said, the longer this goes, the more relaxed they are with it and the more they believe in it. And it, this is one of the rare times I think something can really truly go away from the underlying numbers because it's mental to them. It's just, we're okay getting dominated outshot. And like you said, that's not really what happened in the Vegas series. I'm just saying more with like dominated in spurts of the game. Like if, if Vegas is snapping the puck around or now it's going to be Tampa, we're not afraid because we know we're used to this. We know we can handle it. And even running around, well, if running around, maybe we take a penalty. Well, we seem to be doing well with those too when we're shorthanded and we got some firepower going back the other way. So I think the mistake we made, like you said, like kind of like what is Montreal or like who are they? I think Caulfield turned this team on its head because I, like, I'll just say like remove Caulfield. No, nah, they're in a yeah, lot of They trouble. don't look nearly as dangerous. They're not when yet. You're watching these games and not even from, you know, looking at the stat sheet. Caulfield led that entire series with four goals. When you're watching these games, he is visibly the most dangerous player on the ice for the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. Yeah. Like when he has the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, and it doesn't have to be when he's coming in on the rush. When that guy gets any time and space in the offensive zone, he's a threat to score yeah. with his speed his shooting ability, which is off the charts, just his his offensive IQ. Like like you said, Lepore, he's going to be in, a star in this league for a very a long player. time. And and you're right. When you add that element into what they've been doing defensively, I mean, it's like a perfect recipe to go on a run like this. Yeah, It really is. And yeah, I mean, you know, you can look at the regular season. Listen, they were bad in the regular season. Let's not sugarcoat this. They had a minus nine goal differential. They finished 18th overall in the standings. They were 18th in goals against per game, 17th in goals scored per game. They had the 23rd ranked power, uh, penalty kill. So they had the 23rd ranked PK in the regular season, and now they have the greatest penalty kill in NHL history. I didn't even know that. Their penalty kill was 23rd. 23rd in the regular go. season yeah, penalty There you kill. go. So that's a stat, man. That That is a stat. I'd like to see if there's ever been a swing like that in like a power player penalty kill category from the regular season to the playoffs that that's a stat I'd love to see. Cause that's enormous. It's wild. So that's why it's like, it's like, it's, it, it is very difficult to, to, put, <laughs> to, to make sense of all this. And I don't blame anyone because we, you know, a lot of people are in the same boat as us just thinking like, how on earth did this happen? Yeah. And listen, the playoffs, it's a short sample. 
you know, the Montreal Canadiens have played 17 games. They're 12 and five. They've gotten really hot. They're getting amazing goaltending. You add in the the game breaking ability of Cole Caulfield mixed in with this crazy outlier stat of them having the greatest penalty kill in the history of the NHL playoffs. Like it's a perfect storm. And you know what? Credit to them. They're sticking to their identity in Laporta. You made such a great point with the identity of the Montreal Canadiens. They fully understand how they need to win games and how they can be successful in the playoffs. And they are sticking to that identity. And honestly, it's pretty cool to see because they know exactly who they are. They are winning games basically in one way. Like they are playing the same style game in and game out and they are sticking to it whether they're leading, whether they're behind. And that's important come this time of year. So, you know what? Credit to the Montreal Canadiens for getting to this point. But before we get into the Stanley Cup preview and all that, Lapore, I have another question I want to pose to you. All right. And this has to do with, obviously, the crazy and probable run that we've seen the Habs go on. And you start to look back in history and, you know, maybe more recent history going back to, let's say the year 2000. So over the last 20 plus years, this run that the Montreal Canadians are on, is this the most improbable run we have ever seen in the Stanley cup playoffs? Wow. That's a question. Wow. I mean, the simple answer you could say would be yes, because based on the format, we've never had, Oh, I guess no, based on conferences, it could happen, but I'd like to look up. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'd bet an 18, the 18th best team in the league has never been in the Stanley cup final. Um, But I look at the ones in recent past. Okay. Let's do it. Like funny. There was Canadian teams. (laughs) I mean, there were, there was uh, Calgary, there was Edmonton, I'm trying to think of other improbable ones. Like people would point to the Kings, but I mean, I that one drives me nuts because like that was not an eighth seed, and they added a lot towards the end of the year with uh, Richards and Carter. Other ones, I'm trying to think. The yeah, Ducks. So you got you even the got Ducks the Dallas pretty, Stars from last season. Good one. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, they they were a lower seed. Yeah. Even going back to uh, you talked about the Flames in 04, the Oilers in 06, even going a year before that, the Anaheim Ducks, the J.S. Jaguar season in 2003. Yeah, that one was pretty bananas. But I think the Flames, the Flames were like fifth in the conference, like fifth in like a good Western conference. They were the sixth seed in the West Lepore. They had a plus 24 goal differential and they had the 12th best record in the NHL. 12th best? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that that's something. Yeah, I think that the Ducks, the Ducks jump out to me like Jaguar standing on his head. Like, because that team was, they, because I remember them beating Detroit. Were they, and they weren't an eight seed, were they? They were or the were seven they, seed in the se- West. The but yeah, I believe seed. they, didn't they, or didn't they play Detroit in the cup final or am I, no. That is no, they lost the jersey. That was that's in the West. Yes, yeah, they that lost. was Jersey. Exactly. Game seven. It was Game seven too. So it was yeah. it was Detroit that they played in the first round. Yeah, that was the big upset. I'm yeah, checking their. I'm checking. Yeah, it always seems to be. That's how you remember them. It's like who upset Detroit because Detroit was always at the top. Yeah, so they swept the Red Wings in the first round, beat yeah, the Dallas that. Stars in the second round in six games, swept Minnesota in the conference finals, and then lost in seven games 
to the New Jersey Devils in the Stanley Cup final. There you go. Yeah, that's – I wish I had, like, a hot answer for, like, no, this one or that one, or yes, it is the Habs. But you know what? I'll say the Habs. I will say it. We have the 18th-ranked team in the National Hockey League. We have a team that had a negative goal differential in the regular season. We have a team that – like, let's face it, like, even Price didn't have a good year. Like, we, we thought he might be an X-factor in the playoffs only because of um, confirmation bias on what we saw in previous playoffs. But if we were basing it on his regular season, we wouldn't have thought that goaltending was going to be Montreal's get-out-of-jail card when it came to teams that finished ahead of them. You had a team that was, like, inserting a bunch of kids to try to, like, get some firepower. They, had, they, had, they did have some players that, like, were kind of beaten up during the year. Yeah, like if the Habs aren't one, like they're one B, like on that list, like, like let's face it. And they did beat really, I mean, maybe because maybe because we're not as surprised as Leafs fans. Like we look back at those old series or, or, or older series and say, wow, that team knocked out like the second seed Red Wings or they knocked out whatever team was at the top. Montreal beat Toronto. Like Toronto was what, fifth, fourth or fifth? In the league, yeah. In, the in right terms of over. their role, uh, yeah, I think the Leafs or the Leafs, I think maybe finished sixth in points percentage. Okay, in the regular season, and they were they were a top seven team. Sure, in terms and the of gap was record. with like three games to go. They were like in the talk for the Presidents Trophy. So Montreal beat one of the top teams in the league, and then they did it again in the conference final. Like I, I'd like to see, like you know, how Money Puck does that, um, does that uh, like pie every day on like odds to win the Stanley Cup. Like, even during the regular season, they do it for, like, uh, chances to, like, make the playoffs and all that. I'd like to see, like, a progression of Montreal percentages of different things from, like, even day one of the regular season. Because I, I imagine what Montreal was when they were down 3-1 to one to Toronto. Like, their odds to win. You, you Almost, like, got like, zero at that zero, point. Zero. Like, to you, win the like imagine, a little bit above zero. I imagine that bet you would have got at that time for Montreal to win the Stanley Cup. And for them to, yeah, that's why. And again, like that, no one, no one knew about that in terms of improbability. If we look at it at that point, it might be the most improbable thing ever to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But even then, like the geeks, what they have Toronto, like 75% chance to win that series. They were an underdog against the Jets where they, I mean, I know they were, but like how bad was it? Yeah, they were a slight underdog. I think some of the, the analytics guys on Twitter that were, you know, releasing their models and probabilities. Some had it closer to a coin flip. Okay. And some had it like 51, 49, like 52, 48. Like it was, it was more of a coin flip. Sure. Obviously sure. than the, the Leaf series, which the Leafs were an insane favorite in that yeah, it first was, round. It was like, it's impossible. Even Vegas. Vegas was a, a huge I was favorite say, in the oh, final four. Oh, I was going to say, it must have been. Well, like I said before, even, even the, the the games in Montreal, Montreal was a plus. Even when Montreal, I think when Montreal went up two to one, it was a coin flip at that point. Or even at that point, Vegas was like 52%. Yeah, to Vegas like, was still the favorite to win that series, even being down two to one. Yeah. So even and, three, two, three, two, I'd like to see it, like what it was. At. Like it well, must have been even close to a coin flip because they were favored in game six and would have been a heavy favorite in game seven had it gone back home. But I'll stamp it. Like I'll stamp it because e- even too, I think if we look back at those teams, okay, we say the Ducks, 
that team had like Korea and Solani, right? Like they had Jaguar and like, I think Jaguar is kind of like, and we, we went through an era of like really good goalies and really good, uh, like really good goalies and a lot of big names. And Jaguar has always been kind of underrated to me. Like, like he, he had a good long career, like put up some good numbers and won a con, he won a con Smythe as a loser. And that hasn't happened very many times. So, and like, like those other teams, like the Flames had like a Ginla and guys that Oilers team, like they added Pekka, Pronger, they had goaltending that year. Um, I mean, Montreal's goaltending now, but like they're just piling on. Like, I think with Montreal, and did they not lose? Now, now my wheels are turning to, to, to prove the point that they may be the most improbable team to be in the final. Did they not lose like five in a row going into the playoffs? The Habs Lapore were, I believe, their last twenty-two games were eight, thirteen, and one. There you go. I, 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 I think they lost like their last four, their last five going into the play. Now that may have been a thing where like they were locked in and they didn't care. They had one of the worst records. It was them, and that's what's so funny is that them and the Winnipeg Jets were like yeah. two of the of the worst five teams like heading into the like in the entire league. Yeah, remember like, how the Jets when- had legit the worst record in the NHL the last like twelve games of the season. And then you go back the last, like, like I said, 23 games, Montreal won eight of their final 23 games and had like a minus 27 goal differential. Yeah. I know we were sitting, we were sitting here at the end saying like, we hope Winnipeg falls to four because how bad and checked out they looked like the, they just horrible all all around, but uh, yeah, I'll stamp it. I will call the 2021 Montreal Canadians, the most unlikely Stanley cup finalists in recent history. There you go. Bruno, agree or disagree? <laughs> Lapore, I completely agree because nice. I have gone through the list and the the best comparison that I have in terms of looking at what this team was in the regular season and what they were able to do in the playoffs was the 2010 Habs who didn't get to the Stanley Cup final, who lost in the conference final. So that was the, the 2010 Habs who were the eighth seed they beat Washington in round one. Then they beat Pittsburgh in round two. And that's the closest comparison that I have. Because like I said, this 2021 Habs team, okay, minus nine goal differential in the regular season, 18th best record, 18th in goals against per game, 17th in offense, and the 23rd ranked penalty kill. So everyone wants to talk about how great their penalty kill is now, which obviously, like I said, is the best penalty kill in the history of the NHL playoffs. And everyone wants to talk about how great they've been defensively. Well, in the regular season, they were 18th in goals against per game. They were not good defensively in the regular yeah. season. So I, I went through the list and I looked at all these, these numbers. And the closest comparison I got was that 2010 Habs team. They had a minus six goal differential in the regular season. They had the 19th best record in the NHL. So obviously very close to this year's Habs, who were 18th best. They were 11th in goals against per game, 26th in goals for per game, and they had the 12th ranked penalty kill. So of all the teams that I looked at, that includes the 03 Ducks, 04 Flames, 06 Oilers, even the 2012 Kings who you brought up, the 2017 Senators who didn't get to the Stanley Cup final, they lost in the conference final, and then the 2020 Dallas Stars which was also a pretty improbable run to the cup final. So yeah, I, I have this Habs team number one. And especially like you mentioned, Lapore, when, you know, you go through those first four playoff games against the Leafs, they scored four goals <laughs> in the first four games against the Leafs. They were outscored 12 to four 
when they were down three to one, who in their right mind at that point thought that that Montreal Canadiens team was going to find it within them to get to the Stanley cup final. So yeah, betting on the Habs is like, is like Bitcoin right now. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. I, I have it number one on my list as the most improbable run in the Stanley cup playoffs that we've ever seen. And now listen, I, I haven't gone back into the sixties and seventies and yeah. even some of the teams in the eighties, but just in recent memory, I mean, looking at some of the playoff runs that we've seen and, you know, especially some of those runs involving Canadian teams, man, this is number one. This is crazy. And you know what? Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's it a all weird just, year, man. We're, we're in a weird world right now. Why not? Let's do it. Let's have something bananas yeah. happen. Sometimes crazy shit happens and you get hot and things come together at the perfect time and you get the 2021 Montreal Canadiens. So congrats to you, Montreal, on this unbelievable run. It's funny because I was, after I said that Korea, like the Ducks had a uh, Korean Solani, I was like, wait a second. In 03, I think Solani may have been gone by then. So I just quickly checked. And yeah, he had, Solani had moved on to San Jose. So he was not part of that team. But I got reminded that was Mike Babcock's team. It was. That was the team that kind of put Babcock on the map and like, oh, this coach that brought yeah, the Ducks like to the, the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, coming coaches. Yeah, yeah he went absolutely. to Detroit. That's it, man. So we were able to make something about the Leafs today, sort of. We always fit them in somehow. Yeah, it's not it's not that hard. <laughs> always find a way. All right, Lepore. So let's move on now. Now that we've talked about the Montreal Canadiens for the last, uh, what is it, the last 40 minutes? I thought you were going to say last six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Lightning and Islanders series. Okay. Because that was a series where, I mean, a lot of people probably looked at it in the same light as Vegas and Montreal. Now, listen, I thought the Islanders were a lot more alive to win that series than the Habs were to win the Vegas series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's an Islanders team that's proven it over the last three seasons. I believe they've won six playoff series over the last three years. Cool. Barry Trotz is widely viewed as, if not the best coach in the NHL, one of the top two or three coaches. He's an absolute stud with his ability to just basically take almost any roster and go on a playoff run with them. Seriously. Um, but this Tampa Bay Lightning team, man, you know, we talked about this going back to our playoff preview. That's a team that didn't have Kucherov all season. Stamkos only played 38 games. And they mm -hmm. still finished with the seventh best record in the NHL this year. Imagine being that good. Like we talk about like the shit they pulled being 18 million over the cap. You have to, as an organization, be okay with removing that and be fairly certain you're going to make the playoffs anyway. Like, I don't it's think that insane. gets talked about enough. Yeah, it's insane. And, good. and like you said, like, sure, you can make fun of them and say, well, they're 18 million over the cap and they're cheating and this and that. But for them to be that good without their MVP for the entire 56 game regular season, and yeah. then he returns and they're just chumming along like they were last year in the playoffs. So, Lapore, man, just give me your give me your take on on how that series went and and how the lightning looked essentially. That series was awesome, man. Um, I said we did our previews for the uh, the semifinals and we made our predictions. I guess that series to go seven. I thought we were going to see a, a historic series. I, I think I joked saying, "Oh, we're going to see like a game seven in overtime, something like that." The game six, it was it was sad for me to see. Uh, it was that giveaway that won the game for the Islanders uh, in game six. Um, 
but you know, props to uh, for the Islanders for that win and that crowd that those Islanders fans deserve it, man. Like someone told me the Islanders are the most insane fans in the league. I'd be okay with that take because they are clearly insane. Barstool has been having so much fun with the Islanders. Like I don't know how much of the Barstool stuff you follow, but uh, Frankie Borelli, who's one of like Port- Portnoy's right-hand man, right-hand mans. Did I say that right? He, uh, He's a crazy Islanders fan. His family owns an Italian restaurant in Long Island. Can you get more like long, like New York Islanders fan than that? And uh, it became like this base for Islanders, uh, like Islanders fans to go watch the games. And they got footage of them going bananas. And it was just great. Like, like great for the Islanders. They're kind of always seen as seen as like. Yeah, I've seen some of those clips on Twitter. Actually. Oh, it's amazing how nuts they're going. And like, I'm sure Islanders fans are going nuts to me, but they're always kind of seen as like Robin to the Batman that is uh, the New York Rangers in that area. And he, he, even the, the Devils, man, like three cops, they were successful. If anything, like the Rangers, the biggest one, they should, they're the ones who should be made fun of. Like the, the, the Islanders won four straight cups. The Devils won uh, three. It's like the Rangers have won one cup in what is it now, 80 years? Yeah, like just for the, the Messier Cup, right? Yeah, that's it. And like before that, I think it was 1940. Like that was the biggest show. But anyway, disaster. But yeah, Dude. I mean, it, it was sad to see. Like that was a team. That was a fan base that is really hard to dislike. They play heavy. They're they're coached really well. Like imagine like Barry Trotz being a free agent now. Oh, like I, I look back, and, and I remember even tweeting this when he uh, signed on with the Islanders. I'm like every team should be looking at Barry Trotz. Like every team should be considering firing their coach as good as their coach is and hiring Barry Trotz because he is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, like to me when, and again, let's make it about the Leafs. Like when the Leafs backed up the, uh, the Brinks truck for Babs to me, like I, I never try to judge coaches like, because like, what do, what do we know about like X's and O's? Like some people do, like, like I don't claim to, I'm, I'm not going to say like I'm a coaching expert or an X's and O's expert. So like, what do we really know about coaching? But I was stoked about the Babs hiring because it was a cultural thing for us to say like, you know what? We got this guy. He's a winner, best coach available. And it showed that the organization was willing to do a lot to try to win. But with Trotz, you don't really have to know very much about X's and O's to know that he's a good coach. It's it's clear. Like he turns teams around, he gets results. So it's kind of funny to think like a big organization, like say like the Leafs or the Rangers, if, if they had a coaching vacancy and Barry Trotz was available, like what's the number? I, I don't, I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, these coaches now are getting like, around like five, 6 million. I mean, for trots, I don't know, man. If one of the big teams could uh, could back up the truck again and dump a wad of cash on them, I think they would. But sad to see the Islanders thing end. Um, at the end of the day, though, like, I'm going to say it, the better team won. Like, Tampa is the best team. That is the best team. If you ever want to get depressed about your hockey team, go on the Tampa Bay Lightning cap friendly. Number one, because you'll see that they're $18 million over the cap. But number two, you'll just see a lineup of studs and you'll see a lineup of studs that are, for the most part, all on reasonable contracts. Yeah, so, it, it is sickening to see that Braden Point makes $6.75 million a year. Yeah, he's sickening. Like, it, was, it was kind of like a bridge deal, no? Like he signed, it's like three years. He signed yeah, he or, signed a three-year bridge deal for 6.75 a year. 
Yeah. So the lightning are the team, man. Like, like that's the franchise that, I mean, they're the champs they're in the final again, which is cool to see. It's It's cool to see Stamkos like to actually get a shot. Like he had that one game, one goal last time and it was in the bubble. So it's cool to see like their fans to get a final this time for a team being that good. It's cool to see Stammer to try to get a chance to really be a part of this, this time, but they're, they have the belt. They're the champs. They're the team. Everybody wants to be so like to turn back to Montreal and these things that we talked about how like, you know, things have really gone their way and they've gotten some bounces with things they can't control and things have happened to other teams that have benefited Montreal and at the end of the day, none of it matters. They're here. But this is the monster. Like, all that talk about how things have gone Montreal's way will go out the window if they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because, like, Tampa's just that good. And just going back to, like, the Islanders series, I think the Islanders kind of were, like, the type of team that could have beat them. Because of the style, the coaching, they were getting goaltending and like they came close, let's face it, one nothing in game seven. But like there was this thing in my head, I don't know how you felt about it, but we all, I mean, we all, like most of us had uh, Vegas versus the Lightning in the final based on the semifinals. Like I thought Tampa was going to destroy Vegas. Like in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, Vegas is just not going to be Tampa. Like their style, the way they play just doesn't match up well. Like the, the Lightning is just too good. Like that, that's kind of the way I saw it. And I even saw it back looking at Colorado. I'm like, Tampa is more experienced. They're just too deep. They have that star power like Colorado does. I just thought when push came to shove, I'm like, yeah, Tampa's going to nip them too. But here we are, like Montreal Canadiens, Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa though, man, like that's a team. that You know what, like I said, you know a team is really good if you go on their cop friendly and it makes you cry and it makes you question your fan phantom of your yeah, it team. It makes you question every decision your hockey team has ever has made. Ever made. We, gave, we gave this guy what? Like what? And how did they do this? Like, yeah. So the lightning man, like, like how did you see that series? Yeah. I, it got a little sketchy when Kucherov went down in game six on that Mayfield dirty for behind, you know, crazy. that dirty uncalled, blind cross check to the back. Uncalled was, too. Crazy. That was brutal. No call on the play. So Kucherov goes out in game six. Obviously, the Islanders win game six. They force game seven. And you're thinking, man. And you know what, Lepore? The first thing I thought of is I'm like, Montreal is going to get to the Stanley Cup final. And then they're going to face the Tampa Bay Lightning without Nikita Kucherov, without the leading scorer in the playoffs the last two course. seasons. Yeah, because So it was, it was really good to see Kucherov back in the lineup in game six. Because mm-hmm. I thought a lot of Lightning fans were probably terrified you know, trying to win that game seven without him. Yeah. And uh, I believe he played, he played a little over 16 minutes in game seven. So not like a typical Nikita Kucherov game, but, you know, nice to see him play that many minutes in a game seven. So, yeah, I I thought that was a little bit concerning for Tampa, but I'm just so impressed by their ability to play any style possible. Like if they want to muck it up, like the Islanders and play a low scoring game by all means, let's do it. Do you want to run and gun and play with us? And you want to score a bunch of goals? Let's do that as well. And you saw that in the eight, nothing drubbing, but Mm -hmm. this is a team that 
can adapt. To I already forgot. Team. I already forgot about that eight nothing game. Wow, he's reminding me that we eight nothing. Wow. Yeah, that team, man. They they can flip a switch and play like literally any style possible, and that's what I'm so impressed with because a lot of people view the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I guess it was fair to view them in this light before they won the Stanley Cup last season. A lot of people viewed them sort of like the Leafs, yep. right? Where it's like they're this highly skilled team that's sort of soft, doesn't have what it takes to win in the playoffs. But what I've seen from this team over the last couple of seasons, they have literally every single ingredient. Like yeah. they are the best team. You go up and down the roster, star talent, depth, grit, great defensive play, great goaltending. Like that team is just so good top to bottom. And, and I thought a lot of people were getting cute in that game seven. Cause I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, Islanders are going to win game seven. You know, they're the underdog, take the Islanders. Like it's their time. And the lightning literally beat the Islanders at their own game, winning a game one, nothing on home ice where they mucked it up and had to grind it out. And, and that's what impressed me so much about the Tampa Bay lightning uh, specifically in that series, was their ability to essentially beat the New York Islanders at their own game. And and that's why I think the Lightning are the best team in the NHL. And Lapore, that's the perfect segue now into our final topic of this show, the Lightning and Habs meeting in the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, you look at the betting odds, obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning are the favorites to win the cup. They're the defending Stanley Cup champions looking to repeat. But you go over everything that we just talked about. They have the star, the star power up front and on the blue line. You have Andre Vasilevsky, who's playing better than Carey Price in the playoffs (laughs) right now. Andre Vasilevsky has a 936 save percentage and four shutouts. Both of those lead the playoffs right now. He is playing out of his mind. He is the favorite right now, the betting favorite to win the con Smythe. And you just look at their ability to win games in different ways and how they can adapt to any style like I just talked about. This is a complete team. So you know what? If the Montreal Canadiens end up beating Tampa Bay like you said, Lapore, I'll be like, you know what? Yeah. Uh-oh. Congratulations. But this team is an absolute beast like and you know what we're gonna reach a point here where something's got to give and i've mentioned this now several times on the podcast the montreal Canadiens have the number one penalty kill in (laughs) nhl playoff history this is gonna be the new uh it's a new uh take a shot game how often bruno brings up that stuff it's unbelievable the best penalty kill in playoff history among teams that have played 15 games in a single postseason but saying that the Tampa Bay Lightning roll into the Stanley Cup final with a 38% power play. They so is that sustainable? 38%. Yeah. So both of these are not sustainable. Something has got to give here. The, the Habs have gone two straight series without giving up a power play goal. So, Lapore, man, what's your take on this series, Habs and Lightning? I think we are going to get a classic. I think we are going to get a good long series. One thing I will say about the lightning is that I cannot see um, what happened to Vegas in that previous series happened to them. And I'm referring to what I said before as how I think Vegas took the Habs lightly. 
this lightning team will not take the Habs lightly. They've been around. They've been through a lot together. We talk about like how them, how they were swept by Columbus. I think a lot jumped out at me with how they handled game seven. Here you have this high stress situation where they lose game six on a turnover in overtime in the Islanders building and all this pressure is on them to go back home and win game seven. And it's funny for me, like I always feel, feel, I think a little different than most people when it comes to game sevens, I almost feel like if I was a player, I'd rather be the road team. Like I always feel like going into that building, going nuts, like almost like the expectation to come out at hundred miles an hour, lay hits, score early, like may get to me. Whereas if you're the away team, you just go in there dialed in obviously you're the underdog is typically like the home team's favorite to win and just how tampa came out in that game if i remember correctly the shots after two period two periods were like 25 to 11 or like 27 to 11 in yeah, favor tampa of the light crushing them yeah the like the islanders look like nothing so that stuff like that jumps out to me a lot where you have this tampa team that says like this is the moment and we're gonna bury you I mean, it was a weird game. Like they won one nothing on a shorthanded goal, but just how like they outplayed the Islanders for such a large portion of that game. And the Islanders came out in the third and did get some chances. But I think we are going to get an absolute classic. I think we have the best team in the league versus a team that really and truly believes in their believes in themselves right now and believes in what they're doing. I believe in the whole culture thing too. People get behind a crowd. They get behind like the feelings that exist in Montreal right now, the vibes, the buzz of that city. If I make a prediction here, we're going to do predictions yet. We're going to predictions. Yeah. You go for it, man. I will say, I will say the Tampa Bay lightning win the 2021 Stanley cup in seven games. I say lightning in seven is in a low scoring grinded out game. Seven Tampa comes out, maybe one shot ahead. I think we're going to get a good one, man. Like as, as these playoffs have gone on, I've gained a lot of respect for the Montreal Canadiens. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think their belief in what they're doing is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And whether it's sustainable or not with regard to the metrics they're putting up, we'll find out or just, it's going to keep going and whatever. Like how you said, something's got to give like, yeah, like Tampa Bay. What Thursday, 38%? You said just on 37.7% on the power play in this year's playoffs. Yeah. So someone would say that, well, that's not sustainable as well. Like just as unsustainable as Montreal's penalty kill. So we'll see. Maybe just both both sides kind of putter down to what we see as normality. And then it looks kind of basic as the playoffs roll down. But as a neutral hockey fan on this one, I am really and truly excited for a series that I think people are going to talk about for a long time. I think it's going to be a good one. I do think, and like I said this about the Vegas series and I was dead wrong. Game one is so important for Montreal. So important because like, let's face it. They are playing a team that is on paper better than them. So if they fail to get a win in game one, to have to win the series four games to two from then on, that's a tough ask for Montreal. And, and it's even, it's, it's like to the point where like Tampa, even up one, nothing, they're not going to get cocky. Like this team is not going to get cocky and they just have too many weapons. 
So like you only need a couple of guys to show up every game. Like they have that kind of star power and I'm old school. Like when, when I pick a team to win a series, who are their best players? That's how I look at it. And that's, and that's why I said, that's why um, I said before that had it been Vegas versus the lightning, I would have picked the lightning. Cause I would have said, I think their players are better than Vegas's best players, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Sit back, enjoy the show. Tampa Bay lightning seven games. Yeah, I like that prediction, Lepore. And before I give my official prediction, I'm just going to say it would be completely foolish at this point to count out the Montreal Canadiens. I was going to make that point. Like at some point now, you they have a chance. Like, yeah. like they, we, we have to stop saying they have no chance. Exactly. And we've gone through, you know, the whole playoffs, you know, trying to find ways and explain how Montreal is doing what they're doing. And we were chalking it up to a bunch of different factors and we thought that they were going to lose every series this entire hmm. playoff run. But what they've done or what they did against the Vegas Golden Knights was super impressive. And that made me become a believer in what they're doing. As much as they you know, have that outlier stat with the penalty kill and as great as Carey Price has been playing. And we like to bring that up all the time. Like this team is on this run because of their goalie. And honestly, you really could simplify that in a way also with this Habs team that Carey Price, let's let's not kid ourselves here. He's been the MVP of this team. Yeah. He has a 934 save percentage in the playoffs. He has come up big game after game. Every big moment when that team needs a save, Carey Price is there. And he has looked so comfortable. He really is playing the best hockey of his career, or at least the best that I've seen him play in recent memory. Yeah. I mean, you go back to the gold medals, and you know some of the other runs he had didn't and didn't Carey Price win the Hart Trophy one year? I think he did. He either it was it was one year where he was just unbelievable. He won the Vesna, I believe he won the Hart Trophy. I could be wrong. I'll look that, it up. But you know, I think back to those seasons that Carey Price had and the way he's playing right now has just been absolutely off the charts. And you know, you add in the fact that Cole Caulfield is giving them that game breaking ability something that they really didn't have throughout the regular season, as good as Tyler Toffoli was. And I know Tyler Toffoli has five goals in the playoffs right now, but he hasn't looked nearly as dangerous as he did in the regular season. Like Cole Caulfield, he's that dude right now. He's their guy where when they need something to happen, when they need to create offense, it's Cole Caulfield, it's Nick Suzuki, and those are the guys that are making plays happen. Now, can can Josh Anderson catch lightning in a bottle and come down the wing and snipe one? Yes. But he hasn't been nearly as consistent in terms of generating chances as those two young studs have been throughout the playoffs. So, yeah, I think at this point, it would be extremely foolish to count out the Montreal Canadiens. But saying all that, this Tampa Bay Lightning team is unbelievable. And like you said, Lapore they are absolutely not going to take the Habs lightly. This is a team that got swept in the first round in 2019 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team that's been through a lot of shit together. They've had disappointments. They've had triumphs. They've been through it all, this Tampa Bay Lightning team under head coach John Cooper. This is a team that has star power for days. Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, who's having another unbelievable playoffs. What is he up to now, Braden Point? Let me check this out. He's got 14 goals in 18 games in the playoffs. He has six more goals 
than the guys that are tied for second in goal scoring in this year's playoffs. Too He's good. been ridiculous. And you go down, you look at even guys like Yanni Gord, Andre Pallott, Anthony Sorelli, Steven Stamkos, who at this point isn't even like one of their like elite secondary scorer, Steven Stamkos. He's almost yeah. like a role player on this team, which yeah. is crazy to say because 65, Stamkos, 65 goal scores, Steven Stamkos it's is unbelievable a depth because guy. He, he has been productive in the playoffs. He has 17 points in 18 games, but he's not even viewed in the same light anymore as guys like Kucherov and Point. And then you look at even like Alex Kalorn, 17 points in 18 games. They have five of the top six leading scores in this year's playoffs. And on top of that, they're the number two ranked defense. They've allowed a shade over two goals a game, 2.06 goals per game in this year's playoffs. Now the Habs are right behind them. They've allowed 2.18 goals per game. So both of these teams, obviously very stout defensively. And then you look at Andre Vasilevsky, who I mentioned, who's having a better postseason than Carey Price. As great as Carey Price has been, Vasilevsky has been even better than number 31. So... I look at this Lightning team, they have no holes. They have the experience. They can play any style possible. You want to muck it up and play like the Islanders did? No problem. Tampa Bay can do that. You want to get into a run and gun game with Tampa Bay? No problem. They have all this star all this star power and all this talent. And then you add in John Cooper, who you want to talk about the best coach in the NHL? He's got to be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, that guy always presses the right buttons. He, he's he's been awesome. I mean, there's a reason the Tampa Bay Lightning under John Cooper have the best record in the National Hockey League over the last, whatever it's been, six or seven seasons. See how confident he was after game six? Like, he, he just had the right demeanor. I should think he wasn't arrogant. He wasn't cocky. just had the right, confident demeanor. I really liked it. Oh, absolutely. Because he knows, he knows exactly what this team is made of. And, you know, we talked about how Montreal sticks to their identity. This Lightning team... They stick to their identity as well. They know exactly what they are. They know exactly what they're capable of. So I just have a very difficult time seeing Montreal beating this team four out of seven games. I, I really do. And, you know, I've talked about this before with the New York Islanders in the past. It's like, what's the ceiling for a team that's built like that? A team that plays a great defensive structure and has good depth, but is lacking that star talent. What's the ceiling? And listen, the Habs have made it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. But can they beat a team that's this much better than them on paper, that's this much more talented than them? Like, I, I didn't even mention Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough <laughs> and Mikhail Sergachev on defense. Yeah. Like, this team is loaded from yeah. top to bottom. So I think this is going to be a very tough task for Montreal. I think everything is going to have to go their way in this series if they're going to win. Like, I think Carey Price, I mean – it goes without saying he's going to have to play out of his mind. And my official prediction for this series, Lepore, is lightning in six to okay. repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Okay. So six and seven. It's going to be awesome, man. And you were right, by the way, Price won the Hart Trophy in 2015. So Anthony Bruno, Carey Price Encyclopedia. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of like his, his I think he had like a 930 something save percentage that yeah, year. And it's essentially he won the Jennings, the Hart, the Vezina, all that. Yeah, he I mean, if you win the Hart, you're winning, winning everything. Yeah. And he and he's doing the same thing right now in the playoffs. And and Laporte, uh, speaking of you know individual performances in the playoffs, before we end the show, who do you think is gonna win the Conn Smythe trophy this year? 
Ooh, that's a good one. Because you look at some of the the betting odds, Vasilevsky right now is the favorite. I want to hear these. Okay. Um, He's plus 175. Carey Price is number two in the betting odds at plus 240. And then Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point are both plus 400. So most likely one of those four guys is going to win because then you go down to Victor Hedman. He's next on that list and he's 25 to one. So it's most likely going to be one of those four guys. So if you had to uh, make a prediction, who do you think is going to win the Conn Smythe this year as playoff MVP? Yeah, it's tough to get outside of like the top few guys because like people forget, like say like in the NBA, it's just for the finals, right? It's the finals MVP, whereas Stanley Cup, it's like the entire playoff. You said points plus 400. Yes. That's the bet. Like based on what we don't know, like what based on not knowing what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup final, I think that's where the smart money is. Vasilevsky, though, I don't know. Like I, 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 I would try to do it based on like identity and how a team wins. I'm not trying to take anything away from Vasilevsky, but like if the Lightning win the Cup, is it like is that first like face you think of Vasilevsky? Whereas like Price, it is like like Price to me, it's like Price winning the Conn Smythe to me, should be the exact same bet as Montreal winning the Stanley Cup. Like, it's it's price if Montreal wins. Whereas with Tampa, I don't know if I just picture Vasilevsky. Um, I would say point. I'll go with point right now. Even beyond the betting odds, like, like I'll, I'll guess Braden point. I like that. And you know what? It's funny you brought that up because price is 240 to w- plus 240 to win the Conn Smythe. Okay. And the Habs are plus 225 to win this series. So yeah, that makes sense. So like yeah. you said, if like it's it's essentially like if if Montreal is gonna it's it's the same bet, right? Yeah. Like we all know that Price needs to stand on his head. He has to be the guy. Like if Montreal wins this series, like Price is essentially a stone block to win. Could we have one of those where like now I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm trying to galaxy brain it. Could we have one of those where like Tampa wins the cup, but Price wins the Conn Smythe? Honestly, it's it's possible. That's possible. It really is possible. If this, if like I said, this goes like seven, and he's standing on his head. It could a hundred percent because I believe I believe J.S. Jaguar won the Conn Smythe yeah, that season, did. where they lost in the final to New Jersey, and yeah. he had it was like un, it was ridiculous. It was like a nine forty save percentage in the playoffs. So yeah, I think I think that's totally in play. But I do agree with you. I think the smart money is on Braden Point. And I mean, I guess it goes both ways. You could, you could pick Nikita Kucherov as well. I guess the only thing working against Kucherov at this point is his health. And maybe yeah. this is going to play into the series more than any of us think. But, you know, he played game game seven against the Islanders over 16 minutes. It's believed that he has a rib injury. I don't know mm-hmm. the exact injury he's dealing with, but that's kind of what they've been speculating when he took that cross check to the back from Scott Mayfield. So... Yeah, I think at this point, give me a, a healthy Braden Point at plus 400, who's leading the playoffs with 14 goals to win the Conn Smythe if nice. the Tampa Bay Lightning finish off this series. It's nice. It's a nice bet for sure. All right, Lepore, any any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I'm just excited, man. Uh, big hockey fan. I'm excited for the Stanley Cup final. Two teams, two very different stories. One team we fully expected to be here, and one team we did not. And uh, being in Canada, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of emotion behind uh, Les Habitants de Montréal. So I'm excited for the hockey. I'm excited for the takes. I'm excited for the tears of joy, the tears of sadness. It's going to be awesome, man. Stanley Cup final. Let's go.
you said of Lepore, it's it's going to be awesome. I mean, no matter which way this series goes, I, I think it's going to go pretty deep. We both have it, you know, going six or seven games. And, and I can't wait because the city of Montreal is absolutely on fire right now. Like we haven't they, talked about that, about like fans in the building. Has that anything come out with that? Or are they in discussions? Or Yeah, I haven't seen any updates as of us recording this that they're going to increase capacity at the Bell Center. But man, that would be incredible. Like, I guess they got some time to think about it with the two first games being in Tampa. See how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, a packed Bell Center for the Stanley Cup Can final. you imagine? I mean, that is just, it does not get any better than that. Yeah. Imagine I, being a Habs fan. Imagine being a Habs fan all year you can't go to a game and now it's like stanley cup final let's go like oh, that building it oh must my God. be unbelievable especially like if they get a split or if they're right up, i mean they're up to nothing but oh my god it'd be amazing yeah that we should be- go bruno we should go <laughs> yes save some seats save us a suite in the bell center for the gfp podcast yeah let in the leaves fans oh that would that would be the best but no, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. I think it's going to be an incredible Stanley Cup final. You got star power on both sides. We mentioned all the studs on Tampa, but Carey Price is is the star of stars when he's playing like this. So it's going to be awesome. And uh, I can't wait, Lepore, to talk about it on our next show. I'll ask you this. This might cause uh, some shit storms. So let's say the Islanders had won. Okay. So the Islanders are playing the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. You win the choice to go to an Islanders game in Long Island, a game in Long Island or a game in Montreal. Which one do you choose? Wow. If both are at full capacity? If both are at full capacity, yeah. I'm going to say the Bell Center just because I'd probably fear for my life at Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> How, just what, people might recognize you? Why? Or no, just in general, people are just some nuts. psycho. People are yeah. nuts at Nassau Coliseum. I love the passion of both fan bases. But man, just like I just thinking about tradition and listen, I know like the Islanders are a storied franchise as well. Obviously their history isn't as deep as the Montreal Canadians, but right. man, give me, give me a packed sold out bell center in the cup final. That must be just unbelievable. How about you? People are going to get mad. I think I go Islanders. I just oh, like really, eh? just cause like the pure, like psycho of it, like that, that to experience that, you know what I mean? Just to go there and it'd be so, like the Nassau Coliseum, like just like to sit in that place with those people would be so different and such an experience. Like, I think I'd have to go with that one. So Habs fans come at me. Habs fans come at me. I love it. Lepore. No, honestly, you can't, I, I can't go against you really because like that place when they're coming up with those chants, I mean, oh it my is God. just unbelievable oh in there. God. Those chants that those Islanders fans come up with like, bravo. You guys are, you guys are unbelievable, but yeah, hopefully the Bell Center can up their capacity for the cup final. Hopefully. It's going to be awesome, and we cannot wait for this series. But that is going to do it for episode 26 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. And once again, I say this at the end of every show, if you enjoy the content and you're a new listener, We would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. It does so much to help the show. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube and you enjoy the content, it would be a big-time help 
if you smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm, subscribe to the channel and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, everybody. Enjoy game one of the Stanley Cup final on Monday night. Lapore and I will be back next week to break down everything that's happened so far. And uh, I guess we will see all of you then. So take care. Enjoy the Stanley Cup final, everyone. Come on, come on, come on.